Welcome to a podcast for moms. I'm your host, Julia Sparkman, and this is episode 12, the importance of living with intention and ritual and land stewardship with Jesse Gardner. Now, I know every time I say I love this episode so much, but I loved this episode so much because I was blown away by what Jesse and I discussed. I did not anticipate the direction of our conversation. And every time before I record, I typically have, you know, some type of dialogue around concepts and topics that whoever is the guest and I will be discussing. And Jesse and I did that, yet day of, I asked her, you know, what's what's most salient for you in your life right now? And she told me, you know, cultivating soil and being a steward of the land. And I hadn't known that about her. You know, I, I Jesse and I, we, we share about how we initially met. So I'll let you listen to that. And if you're unfamiliar with Jesse, she is a mom to three girls and I personally called her a word artist, as I think the words that I used. She's an amazing writer, and yeah, she tells her story, which is so, it's it's amazing. So Jessie, she, she shares her story about how she navigated leaving corporate life to become an entrepreneur, and intention and ritual were the catalysts for that change in her life. She started cultivating these daily rituals and living with intention, and that led her to starting a business, which we talk about. And as she was exploring life as a new entrepreneur, she was connected to a client that eventually led her to her current passions, which is land stewardship, soil health, and cultivating a relationship with the food she and her family eats and the land it's grown on. And so many of the things that Jessie shared deeply inspired me, like the way that she continues to create ritual in her life and how she lives with intention with three small children and just the time that her and her family spend in nature and all the things that she shared with me, all the education that she provided around the land and soil, um, all of those things sparked me to take action in ways I wouldn't have taken action had I not spoken with her. So I am so excited for you to listen and I'm incredibly honored to share my insightful, heartfelt conversation with Jesse. Please enjoy. Hey, Jesse, welcome to a podcast for moms. Hi, hi. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, it took us a couple of times to make it happen because of motherhood. One time you're like, oh, I don't have childcare. The next time I was like, ah, oh, I don't have childcare. So, third time's a charm. I'm happy that we finally were able to make it work. Um, to, come on together and um we haven't seen each other in person now probably for definitely over two years probably close to three years now and we initially connected through how would you even describe that 
what what was Hapster Squad? It was a group of women connecting. Um, yeah. 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 Do you have any better description? For yeah. I, yeah. Was, I think it was just a divine circle of women that are really connected to wanting to bring more positivity into our lives. And that really happened through the bond of, you know, our, our womanhood and sisterhood and different ways that we could express it. Um, yeah. yeah, that was better said than what I was going to say, but yeah, we did a lot of cool things. So it was a group of women that got together. It was the same women every month we met monthly. And that's how I initially connected with you. And if I'm not mistaken, were you, did you, you already had your first daughter and then you were pregnant with your second when we first met. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's kind of start there. Cause one thing that I was so curious to hear more about with your story is when I first met you, you had a brand called Hey Soul and, um, Tell us a little bit about that and tell us how that unfolded and led you to what you're up to now. Cause I'm, I'm interested to hear how motherhood shaped that. Cause I know you started that prior to becoming a mom, how you were able to kind of dance with being a mom and an entrepreneur. And then now you're doing super cool work. So I'd love to hear in your own words, a little bit more about you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start at the beginning. Um, Really, the inspiration for Hazel came from being in an uh, incredibly toxic environment and more of a really aggressive startup moving into corporate digital agency where mm-hmm. um, exhaustion was glorified and um, the corporate ladder was the only direction and attention to title and paycheck and material things was really the currency. And at that point in my life, I was, that was the model that I was following, that those are the things that would really fill me up. That's what everyone was telling me. The world was, you know, validating that you're a meaningful human being. If you have all these things and have this LinkedIn profile and these connections and are building your career. And at some point getting to whatever title it was in the organization, um, I realized I was so empty when Mm -hmm. everybody told me I would feel so full at this point. And it was a really big aha for me that, oh, wait, all of these things actually don't bring fulfillment truly at a soul level. And so my next question was, well, what is, what does? And I realized in that moment that I had subscribed to this more capitalist view of life and had forgotten who I was and my soul and my true purpose and source of excitement and joy. Um, And so that was really the inspiration for the name Hey Soul, which was all about, hey soul, I forgot about you. Let's reconnect. Um, And the way that I was able to move and transition from that corporate um, environment into pursuing my own endeavor was understanding that it was going to take small changes every day to start to shift what my day looked like. And that came through ritual ritual for me. Um, So I wanted to bring more creativity in my life. I made a list like I have no creativity in my life. I have very little joy in my life. I have lost the art of adventure. 
Um, so I just made this list of like, here's all the things that I used to love. I know I love deep down, but are not present in my to-do list on a daily basis. And then I just built small rituals for each of those categories to start building into my day. And do you give an example of one or two yeah, of them? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorites was um, adventure. So adventure is all about, you know, spontaneity and, you know, exploring something new and being okay in the uncertainty. And so I had these little wooden cubes that just looked like dice um, laying around. And I just decided to write on each side of that cube something that I've always wanted to do but have never done. Um, and it include going to co- everything from going to Costa Rica to trying a, a new food that I had never tasted before. It was just a whole range. Um, and so I would roll that dice once a week. I never landed on Costa Rica, but um, <laughs> it landed on many other adventures, um, going to the desert, um, playing an instrument, um, walking up to someone that I had never met before and just introducing myself and buying them a cup of coffee to chat. Um, things like that really started to build in the behavior of paying attention to opportunities for adventure. Mm -hmm. And so I still have my little cubes, my dice today. And I also encourage people to do that with their partner. Um, you have a dice and they have a dice. You fill out what are your adventures that you just are deeply seated in you and you roll those dice together and you hold each other accountable to pursuing that adventure and making that happen. Um, so that was just one way to make it playful, but to make it really present in the day to day and have some accountability to, you know, shift your day from answering a hundred emails to going off on an adventure instead. I love that. And, um, let's just pause there for a moment because, um, we had initially we were going to have this conversation in June. So I always like write out, you know, little notes of things that I want to talk about. And part of the mission of Hey Soul is creating positive disruptions and positive rituals. So a question I had for you is how have rituals looked for you, looked like for you as a mom? And if you're comfortable sharing, you can tell us the age of your kids because how, what I found in motherhood is my daughter's two and like zero to one, everything is like you get into a rhythm and then the next month the rhythm changes because they're changing so quickly. Right. And then like one to two, I've been able to find like a little bit more of a rhythm, but then something like getting pregnant throws it off or my daughter just cut two of her last four teeth, like the back molar. So it's like she stopped napping and was waking up at 5 a.m. So it's like those threw off my rituals. Right. And so, um, I've had a more challenging time keeping my like positive rituals flowing in my life. So I was curious since that was such like a embedded practice for you for such a long time, have you been able to maintain those rituals in motherhood or what has kind of had to shift for you as you've become a mom? Yeah, that's such a great question. Uh, there, I mean, there's definitely times where there are no rituals <laughs> involved because of the beautiful chaos that is three kids. So I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, all right. girls. Yes. Um, and so at different phases, it, it felt different. But what was always there was that feeling of how either disconnected or connected I am with creating that dedicated space, um, whether it's for me and my own self-care and connecting to those things that I love, 
or if it's rituals with my kids and really connecting with something that is meaningful versus just, you know, shuffling through the day without um, much intention. Mm-hmm. And so if anything, I think that ritual of intention is, is really uh, something that has grounded me in motherhood because I can remind myself if I set an intention for that day of whether it's gratitude or whether it's um, being outside and appreciating nature, then I can get through all of the chaos of, you know, them saying mom 50 times in two seconds and this spilling over here and, you know, them fighting over there. Um, I just root into like the core intention of this experience of the day is just to get outside. So grab hands, let's, we're going for a walk. You know, it just, it allows room to shift the day to align with what that intention is. Um, so if anything, it's rising and shining with that intention first and foremost, um, at the beginning of the day. And that's really kind of centered around my kids. Mm -hmm. And then I would say really in the past year and much attributed to this core group of women that I connect with and talk to every week, there's four of us total. Um, there's always a question at the end of that, of what is your self care for this week? Um, and that literally might look like just taking a walk by yourself, or it might mean something deeper of getting on a call to talk to a parenting consultant because I'm, you know, broken apart and can't understand why my kid is, you know, struggling through this and I don't have the answers. Um, Or, you know, time with my husband, things like that, I think are key to have that support system um, of just something or some force or a journal or whatever it might be to just ask, like, what is your self-care? Because I think for mothers, that is the most important ritual that we can have is self-care. Definitely. And I'm curious because community has come up a lot in the past few conversations that I've had. Is this core group of four women, was that something formal that you entered into or did the women that's a part of the group, is that something that organically came about and then you just made a commitment with each other? Yeah, it's fun. It was it was really organic. Um, okay. One of the women that's in it knew all of us. And mm-hmm. so she was just saying, we all have to connect. And so we all just got on a call and then we were all in California at the time. And so we connected a few times in person and had all of us had worked together at that past corporate company to some mm-hmm. degree um, of involvement. And so um, once we came together, it just became more of a ritual because we just, we all realized we just needed it so much. Um, I think too, as we get older, it's harder to have those deep, deep relationships um, that are consistent. And especially now with everyone um, in various degrees of um, lack of opportunities to connect, that it's just that much more important to have that core group where you can, you know, take off all the layers and cry or laugh or ask for help. Um, and I would highly recommend it to uh, for any women to just seek out those relationships. So you just have those listening partners in life. Yeah. So you mentioned it started in California and now you're in Texas, correct? Yes. You're in Austin, Texas. Okay. Austin, Texas. So that's been moving for quite a while. Um, Let's kind of talk about that transition. So you started Hey Soul and we never really even got to hear exactly what Hey Soul was. So maybe you can talk us through that and then how that journey then led you to moving to Austin. Cause I know there was a lot of intention behind that move. If I remember correctly, you have 
family, you have roots in California. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All so I remember, I like remember you saying like, oh, this is a big deal because we're like leaving our people to go start this life, this vision that you had. I just remember that very clearly. So can you kind of share a little bit about how that um, move and, and all of that came about and, and later on, tell us a little bit more about Hey Soul too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so for Hey Soul, kind of grounding into the power of ritual, that was mm-hmm. really the, that was the key that got me through that transition because I was making rituals that were more aligned with my soul purpose. And eventually that took up my day and it was time to just fully leave that company and start my own Um, And I initially started it with a couple other girls that worked at that same company as well. We were all seeking that. I think there's a collective seeking in corporate environments or really intense startups um, for the soul. Again, I feel like that that environment can very much kind of suck us dry. And so we just created that our own oasis. Um, And so that root of that concept became the business. So we created um, ritual boxes that were centered around areas of life that we get disconnected from. So love, creativity, joy, purpose, grief, calm, um, and an array of different ones where you would get a box every month. And then there'd be, you know, four to six rituals where you'd have an item that was really symbolic and then an action to take with that item so that you could integrate that into your day. Um, And we ended up doing workshops and things like that to really bring it to life. Um, and, and really with that, it, it set my spiritual journey and, um, forever pursuit of listening to my soul and where that is leading, letting that be the loudest volume versus the expectations of the world. Um, and part of that really led to our journey to Austin. Um, at that point, obviously we are young family. So, um, my, my now six-year-old was three and then, are my um, and then we had our 18 month old at the time, and it just became clear that to have a life in California in San Diego in a way that we would have wanted would have required us to continue to subscribe to that corporate model essentially yeah. to like have the paycheck to have enough to have a house in the area that we would like to be able to you know live here, and we had already really been clear about that not being the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to be a slave to the crazy bills and requirements of income to continue to stay there. And I didn't want my girls seeing us model that and feel like they needed to pursue the same. Um, And so it was, it was a really big decision to leave our families. Both of our families are in California, all of our support system, my closest friends that I've had since second grade that are my best, best friends are all there with all of their families and their kids. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a big move for us to say yes to what our life was calling to and also not aligning to the expectations of the people that we love, which is really hard. But also we knew that this was the direction that we needed to go. It was more of a must than a should or a like or a one. It was like, this is, this is our next step. Um, and it was, it was for many reasons. I mean, it's, it was so much more affordable so we could have space to truly do what we love without the, the pressure of the paycheck. Um, we could have more land, um, which is nearly non-existent in California, you know, Literally if you don't have the investment, yeah, or a family that has property, you know, things like that. Um, 
And honestly, we just needed the space to have some freedom. Like I, we really, really realized that the way that we were spending our time was based on things that we've always done just because we've done them, especially with family so close. Like every Sunday we go to dinner and we, because that's just what we do because we've always done it. Like for holidays, we always go to my parents' house because this is what we've always done, but we're not reevaluating. But are we, is that a good experience? Like, do we really love that? Do we want to create something else? Um, And so I think when you step away from a lot of the scheduling and events and things like that to really evaluate, wait, do I really want to be here? Um, Then you have some freedom. And so I think here in Texas, there was physical space in terms of just openness and nature and land, but there was also space to not have all of the obligations that come with having your entire network, you know, 10 minutes away from where you live. Um, So in a way, it was just a way to check in about life and where we wanted to spend our time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's so brave. And it's so beautiful because it's just like, it almost seems as if, Hey soul and all the work that you did around that, you know, taking the leap of going out and doing something that was more in alignment with yourself and then the practices, the rituals, the grounding down. Yeah. It sounds like that all is just this, I see all like, you know, you can look in hindsight and it's like, oh, all these things connected and that it almost seems as if everything was just like working in the favor. Um, What has that been like for you and your family just to kind of like march out on your own? And one thing for me, I've, as we're creating like our own little family unit, I'm almost like, this is weird because I grew up in a broken family, right? Like I never had like mom and dad living in the same home and there was just like a lot of like moving parts my whole life. And so now to be like, oh, this is us. Like this is our, this is our, this is us right here. Um, And it's just such a great reminder of like, oh, we're creating our own like destiny and legacy. And it's like us as a, you know, a unit right here. We don't have to like look to the outside or have anything in the outside. It's like we are complete in and of ourselves right here. Um, and I hear you saying that, like, and you really took that on in a big way. So as you've moved, like, how has that evolved your family, your family, like your, your unit? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like when you navigate an entirely, um, you know, I guess, um, I don't know, when you navigate a brand new journey that really comes from your own soul's center, um, you start to see that in many other areas of life and iteration because you're almost starting it as as a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. And so you really are intentional about the ways that you spend your time or the people that you hang out with um, or the work that that you do um, because you have no, no one has a preconceived story of who you are, right? So you can kind of start start fresh. and so in that, it's really brought the vision that, that I had had, you know, years ago about what it meant to create a home um, actually started happening here. Um, and, it, and so much of that really started with the ability to grow food, um, which I had pretty little connection to really understanding our food systems and where my food came from. Like I was like, organic is better, but I don't really understand why and the nuances of that. Um, and really I'll back up a little bit because as I was navigating Hazel and I was kind of at that place where I was at break even and 
I didn't like, there wasn't a ton coming in. And I was also taking some digital marketing clients on the side just to, you know, make ends meet and, um, make my way through that startup phase. And, um, lo and behold, uh, my friend's fiance was Zach Bush, um, who's a physician mm -hmm. whose real mission is to connect and share the story of human health connecting with soil health and how important that whole ecosystem is, is important to understand um, and critical for our future. And so I just got swallowed into the rabbit hole as I was doing marketing for him, not having any idea about who he was. And so while I was taking that content on, was right when we were moving to Austin. And so mm -hmm. I was pairing this information that was just resounding in my DNA to pay attention to and literally planting seeds in our backyard to see and feel the connection between us as human beings and the indigenous practices that are really rooted in agriculture and connection and appreciation for earth and elements. Um, and then pair that with another layer of our girls coming out to the garden, getting their hands dirty, you know, plucking a fresh tomato off of that plant and just being in pure bliss in that experience. Um, you know, things like that really came to fruition as we were establishing our home from our own blank canvas that, canvas that we were creating on our vision versus what everyone else had expectations, you know, of us to do. So that's just one way that it has manifested in our life here. Yeah. So that's one thing I knew that we were going to eventually talk about because I asked, you know, like what's most like salient to you? What are you most passionate about right now? And you said, you know, growing your own food and connecting your, your daughters back into the ecosystem that they're a part of. And it sounds as if that journey almost found you in a way. Is that like, was that because you were like, oh, I had this vision for the family that I was desiring or like I had in my mind was having a garden and growing your own food was that part of the vision or did that kind of come to be as you started to learn more about the work you were doing um with Zach Bush yeah I mean I think there was a part of me that always wanted to deeply understand my own indigeneity and where mm -hmm. I'm from and the roots and the rituals from which all of us are indigenous somewhere. And there is a mm -hmm. tribal background to all of us and mm -hmm. how the earth is seen and nurtured and cared for and the ritual around food and community and the interconnectedness of that all. Um, and so it did feel like it found me in a way um, that was like, you have this little breadcrumb in you that's that has a desire. And then it just kind of really pulled that thread. And ever since, so that was about maybe three years ago, um, I've been really wanting to weave that thread in and throughout our lives um, as much as possible. Yeah. So what does that look like day to day for you then? Yeah. So we basically took out our entire backyard. Um, lawns are an incredible, they're like lawns are, I think it's like the second largest crop in America, which wow. is really sad because uh, most lawns are sprayed with some of the most toxic chemicals possible. Landscape companies, um, use them city companies, the chemicals that they're using largely, uh, include glyphosate and the impact of glyphosate on our bodies. And the, when your kids are running barefoot on your lawn, when they're in a city park, when they're on a sports field, golf courses, things like that, um, they're often taking in this 
chemical that essentially completely deteriorates your gut lining. And a lot of what Zach Bush's work really shows is that that's really tied to chronic disease in our society. And so you look at the integration of these heavy synthetic chemicals in our food systems and on land in general, um, mm-hmm. and the impact of the rise in chronic disease, it's quite shocking. It took me completely by surprise um, when I was reading that information, just having no idea. And so part of, there's a lot going on within the movement to shift that even from you know a single home to the massive large-scale farms out in the world. But even when you look at it at a home level, taking out the lawn and really beginning to build a permaculture garden, which basically just takes into account the land and the ecosystem that you're on and builds in systems that help bring in and um, maximize the water system and also um, really grow the soil health because not having incredibly healthy soil is a huge connection point to climate change and why we're having the issues that we're having because so many of those chemicals completely kill the soil biology that is key for our health because all of that is necessary to have nutrient-rich vegetables. So what you're eating as a conventional tomato that you buy at the grocery store includes less than like 10% of what it did in the 40s, you know, something that is naturally grown. And not only that, but it includes toxic chemicals that are breaking down your gut lining and causing significant disease and reactions in everybody, but even, you know, specifically kids. And especially when you're pregnant too, the impact of that is so significant. Um, And so what we decided to do in our own home is to not have the landscaping companies, not have anyone spraying anyone, anything anywhere near here, working to ban glyphosate in our HOA, um, so that they're not using that in the community areas. And there's many nonprofits that are willing to help if you have an HOA or you're sit, you want to ban it in your local town or city. Um, there's beautiful nonprofits. One of them is non-toxic neighborhoods who will connect with you, with your school, with HOA or your city to really ban the use of glyphosate. Um, but in our own home, we decided to grow our own garden. And I've never, I've never grown anything in my entire life. So it's a <laughs> testament to Zach that, yeah, anybody can do it and you can start. And that's what Zach would, would recommend, you know, start with a basil plant, start with a mint plant. And that's all I started with. It was literally one basil plant. And the experience of having fresh basil leaves on your pasta spaghetti, you know, um, you know, a salad. It, it's, uh, it's magical. It's pure magic to pull something straight from the plant and put it in your mouth and experience that light transfer of energy. Mm-hmm. You don't think about food as being a channel for light energy, but that's exactly what it is through the beautiful process of photosynthesis. And the closer we come to our food and that actual plant, the greater that light energy is transferring into us. And we are light beings. So it is something that I wanted to like challenge myself with of how much of my plate on any given day can come from right outside. And so that includes growing seasonally. It it includes growing a lot of diverse vegetables and fruits to be able to really maximize my own gut health and the gut health of our entire family. Um, And then just this reverence for, you know, you create a garden, but that pulls you and creates an obligation to be outside every day. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm always asking myself, how can I be less on a screen and more outside in the soil? And so similar to Hazel, where those rituals kind of started pulling my day in a direction, so is this garden where 
we're expanding it and more and more of my time is outside, hands, knees, on the ground, in the soil, really paying attention to the intricacies of nature and, you know, every, the pests that come or the butterflies that, you know, find little spots for their cocoons, um, the kids out there trying to chase the little frogs that have come into our little pond beds that we built, um, you know, things like that are uh, the wonders of our little home now, um, instead of, you know, back in San Diego, it was like a condo right next to another condo. We barely even see the horizon. We live 10 minutes from the beach, but you'd rarely go because of the traffic and all the craziness that it would take to actually get a parking spot to get there. And so we're like, our questions are, how do we make nature more accessible? How do we taste more of that produce that is straight from the soil that we've cultivated through our own composting efforts. Um, and the girls get to see that firsthand and they get to taste that. They're like, this is actually real food. Food doesn't come in a box. Food doesn't come from the freezer. Like food doesn't come in these bright, you know, food dyed snow cones on ice cream trucks. Like that isn't the magic that is going to nourish and grow you. It's actually food that is grown from the earth. And that's the power of the earth. It just it provides so many lessons and opportunities for them to really connect and appreciate all that mother earth is and, and what she gives us. Um, and I feel like since it was so new to me, I'm just learning right along with them and just so amazed at like, oh my gosh, we just plant this seed. It's actually growing and, you know, watching it every day. It's just such a childlike joy to see um, just the beauty in it all. Yeah. So First and foremost, my mind is blown because I had, I had seen your post and I had known, you know, that gardening was something that you're into. I had no idea that I went this deep and I've already am like so inspired and I have a couple of questions. So you said that, well, first I want you to send me some photos so I can post so we can actually like see sure. you know, what you're talking about. Sure. Um, when we moved to our house, there was three garden beds at our house. And so we started to garden and then, yeah, like pests came and I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't want to put like chemicals on it. So I just got really overwhelmed. And now our beds have sat vacant for almost a year. Cause I was just like, we grow this food and then it's, we're not even able to eat it. And so I'm like, one, do you have any resources for someone new to gardening? And I know that it's different in each area, you know, like in each, um, geographic location, it's going to be different, but like how, what, where did you get your information and how did you learn and how has this like process and you're so, um, like well-versed in it now and you have such a great understanding. Um, how did you learn what you've learned? Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, even still after having a good, this is our second year of our garden being up and running. Um, I, I just, I'm overjoyed if 50% of it survives. So I think you just yeah. can't have the attachment to <laughs> having a whole, you know, like gorge, yeah. like lemon tree gorge, you know, when you're just starting. Um, and that's part of the process of it all and learning as you go. Um, but yeah, there's a few things that I would recommend. Um, one of them, nearly every community will have a Facebook group. Like ours here is like Central Texas Gardeners, San Diego Gardeners, or North County Gardeners. I'm sure there's one. If you just start to search where mm -hmm. there's just these groups of people that you post a picture of like 
what is this pest? Like, what can I do that's natural? Um, you know, how do I combat that? Or, you know, what's eating my squash? Or, you know, you can just ask a million questions. It's just like connection to community. Mm-hmm. Um, because people in your definitely in your vicinity are doing it, have done it, and have great um, will have great advice. Um, the Ecology Center in your area is phenomenal. So they do incredible experiences and work, and um, they have great resources there too. Um, and then I would just recommend to. Um, I mean, we, so I work at Farmer's Footprint is one of the Mm -hmm. brands I work with in terms of a lot of the storytelling around farming and the regenerative movement. Um, And there's a lot of resources within our community too. Um, So farmersfootprint.us and joining our online community, there's a lot of people within that community that if you just have a quick question, um, we do meet or ask a farmer on um, every other Friday with Greg Reese, who's a farmer actually in Encinitas. And okay. so you can ask him anything. It's IG Live. And um, especially in that area, it's perfect because he would know, you know, all the ins and outs of, of gardening. Um, but if anything, I would just also just start with what's easy and what grows, you know, like mint and basil, you know, and things like that, that are, you're still going to have the benefit of, um, but you're not going to get that, you know, that frustration. Um, and just being honest with what you can maintain because being a mom and you know, needing to maintain it all, it can be a lot. Um, so just, you know, being okay with just a few things growing if that's what's growing right now. Um, yeah. so yeah, there's a lot of ways to start, but there's, a, there's tons of support out there. It's really just looking at, you know, your local community and connecting with the gardening, um, people there. Yeah. Yeah. So you said like on any given day, how much from your garden can go on your plate, what would you say? Like, are you able to every meal incorporate something from your garden or is it like once a day or how is that looking for you and your family's meals? Yeah. So it depends on the season and, you know, what's growing and how, how it's all been. But I mean, I would say at at the very least once a day, something that I'm eating is from the garden and definitely in like the best seasons here, really spring and fall. Um, and so sometimes that has been nearly the entire plate. Um, and then other times it's, yeah, just like a little sprinkle of mint on a salad. Um, so it just depends, but as I've been able to expand the garden and understand how everything grows and just being more successful at it now, now understanding soil health and how you build that and how you mitigate pests, you know, sometimes it's like this year it was just grow marigolds around your tomatoes and you won't have all the various pests and it, and it totally worked. And so, um, last year that wasn't the case. So, um, as I get more experience, then, you know, more of our plate is, is made up of what's coming from the garden. Like right now we don't really have much cause I've like totally turned it over for fall planting. So mm-hmm. we'll probably have stuff like in, you know, a month or so, but yeah. Yeah. So cool. So how, yeah. how much are your daughters able to help you? Cause Sloan is like very involved in watering, like our flowers, <laughs> Um, but she really likes to pick them. And the other day <laughs> she brought her watering can into the kitchen that was totally full and poured it all out on the ground. And I was like, I watered the floor. I was like, cool. And I'm like, thank you for that help. You know, so it's like she's two, but you have a six-year-old and you have a three-year-old. So it's like, do they have their own like tasks or are they responsible for anything? Or are they just kind of out there enjoying it with you? Yeah, I think it's a little bit, a little bit of everything. So a lot of times I'll have them, 
you know, come pick out the seeds of what we want to grow. And often I just pick out the things that are the brightest colors. So -hmm. there's like cosmic purple carrots, or we're growing some blue potatoes, um, beets, you know, rainbow chard, things like that, that really draws their eye and makes it really fun. Um, and then once they, you know, if they pick the seeds and they, they want to pay attention to it and like, they want to care for it. And so you just create that connection for them. Um, also they just love being dirty and we're, Mm -hmm. you know, learning more and more every day that kids outside just in the dirt, in the mud, in the grass outdoors is the one of the best boosts for their own immune system because it's all generating back into their microbiome. And right now when we're so obsessed with all the antibacterials and things like that, it's just so much more important to get them outside. Um, And I think creating that love for nature at a young age is so key now that we're in such a digital world um, with iPads and phones and TV and all that jazz. Um, Creating an experience where they want to choose outside instead of on screen, I think is just a huge opportunity. So sometimes I don't necessarily give them a choice where it's like, all right, it's outside time. Here's what I'm doing. Like, what do you want to do? You know, give them a choice. But most of the time, if I'm out there, they want to be out there too. Um, and I don't, and if they, if they're just outside, you know, running and chasing butterflies, that's beautiful. And if they want to get a shovel and they want to help, then, you know, they can do that too. Um, but I think the more we integrate it as an option every day, the more they're aligned with making that choice. For sure. Yeah. Now, one thing that you brought up a lot was like digital life and screens. And it's so funny because, like I said, I didn't realize like the magnitude that, you know, this topic had in your life right now. And I'm like so inspired and so happy that we went in this direction. (laughs) When I initially reached out to you, I believe I called you. Let's see if I can find where I wrote it down. I said you're a word artist, as I think. I was like, writer doesn't doesn't really like signify <laughs> or make meaning into what I feel that you are. And as a new mom, like you don't post like every day on Instagram, but when you do share about your life and your family on Instagram, you write these beautiful posts and so much of what you have said um has spoken to me like so deeply like your words touch me so deep and um so I know you have to spend a lot of time on a screen for your jobs that you do because you do a lot of writing and, and you can speak to more of that if you would like but one thing that I wrote down when you were talking about parenting in 2022 and 2021 this was from one of your posts you said And I just want to say to all the parents who, like us, were trying to string together the weight of a day on a piece of floss. So that I was like, wow, that really spoke to me. So you've been doing all of this around a pandemic. I'm guessing you were having to school your daughter who's six at home. I don't know what your other two girls were doing during that time, but like you've been balancing a lot of things. So you've like learned this entirely new um, skill set and passion. And you, I'm guessing we're like a kindergarten slash first grade teacher. I don't, at six or seven <laughs> yeah. kindergarten. You know, was yeah, she's, she was in kindergarten last year. Yeah. Okay. So you're also, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know what, if schools were in, in person or not in Texas, were they, I, I think I saw Some that. were, yeah, hers was totally virtual the entire time okay. though. Yeah. 
Okay. So, um, yeah, let's kind of talk about how you balanced your screen life, what you do within your screen life, um, how writing shows up for you in your life, because it's such a gift that you offer to the world when you share your words. Um, let's, let's transition a little bit to what your digital existence is. Yeah. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, last year, um, was just a doozy, you know, it was just kind of, you walk in, you kind of like dealt the cards that you're dealt with what you have and you just, as we do, you know, just take it all on and make it work. Um, but it was hard, you know, many days of, you know, doing, you know, through, gosh, like three and a half hours or so of school with her, with the, even at kindergarten, you know, expect, expectations are set and they're learning the foundations of reading and math and, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, it just became very clear to me. I know that there are many moms that do homeschool, um, and mom, I very much was clear after that year that I am not meant to be a teacher <laughs> plus mom, not yeah. for me. Um, it's a very different skill set, And when it's your own kid, it's just, it's rough. Um, mm -hmm. and so hard to engage, engage kids in that format too. That's so impersonal and not connected and, um, so yeah, it, it was really a, an effort with my husband and I to just juggle it. So we would just look at our schedules each day and he would take them for an hour and then I would have them for a few hours and we just kind of, you know, toss it back and forth. Um, and it was incredibly exhausting, um, especially too with such a, it was really hard to find childcare support, even for just a, here and there throughout the week um, because mm -hmm. everybody was working from home um, and it was just, we could just couldn't find anyone and so, you know, we just kind of pushed it to the limit of not sleeping a lot because we'd have to make up work, you know, later in the evenings and, um, you know, really just trying to prioritize our day. It was, it was really hard. So it did feel like that. And I just felt, you know, my heart was just so raw and open and broken and palms, you know, reached out for just hugging the entire collective of caretakers of kids last year. And I think it's still, you know, continued to some degree um, because not only are, is it parenting, potential teaching, but it's also now there's this layer of, you know, worry or fear, whether your kids are at mm -hmm. school or they're not, or, um, you know, whether you're engaging in different, you know, community events and things like that, there's this layer that you're asking yourself of, am I making the right choice for my kid? You know, are yeah. they going to be safe? The pressure of that is real, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it just felt like it elevated all my emotions to the surface. And it felt like there was just that thin line of floss <laughs> holding it all yeah. together. Um, and luckily now, so grateful, I feel like we have a lot more relief on the other side of that now that there mm -hmm. are two older ones are in school now. Um, and it's been fantastic and great and they're thriving. And it just resonated that kids are meant to be in community with their own age range. Um, and it's a Montessori school too. So it's their very, you know, tactile and beautiful materials and just focus on community in that village, you know, environment. Um, and yeah, so it just, it really resonated that that in-person connection is so necessary because I feel like it's a detriment to all of our health, mental health, physical health for the kids, for us and beyond. Um, and so we've just taken a really, um, 
near not I wouldn't say no screen you know like they we have like you know some tv time for them but they don't have their own ipads they're not on our phones um they do you know some calls with grandparents you know over the phone and things like that since we're away from family but my my intention when I think about oh I could just give them the ipad or they could just watch a show is like but I could also just as easily open that door and go outside and go sit outside, even if just sitting outside, you know, like, like really encouraging that creativity and that exploration um, just brings so much more ease than them being, you know, sitting and watching a screen and then, you know, me doing something else or sitting there with them. Um, There's just, there's other options available. Um, I think often we just think like, this is the only option to, you know, manage their attention. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's see with, I I am curious more where with farmer's footprint, and then I know you work with a couple other people. Um, where do you see yourself like moving with your passions, you know, of wanting to be more connected to the earth, knowing about, and I'll link the articles that you wrote for elephant journal, because those were so beautiful. And so I, I had an idea that you were passionate about this topic. I just didn't realize how much you were bringing it home with you into your life. Um, what, what is like a vision for you in the next couple of years? What do you see for yourself and what do you hope for your family coming off all of this? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's something that I never would have envisioned for myself, (laughs) even just a few years ago, but every day I feel like it becomes more and more clear that, I am meant to be on land and stewarding land and being a land steward, whether that means farming, whether that means ranching, whether that means creating community experiences um, in the soil for people. um, I don't yet know. Um, Part of it really that's calling me to is um, connecting generations around the soil. So, you know, um, our elders that we have just lost appreciation for it feels like um, really segregated them from society. You know, what happens when you bring a 96-year-old and a three-year-old together around soil and around food that has been grown and having community and conversation and um, an opportunity for people to reconnect with the land? Um, I just feel like there's such a huge gap there. And in some way, I'm meant to facilitate the the um, weaving of that gap from our souls part of our generations part and of the land like just like bringing that all back together um, and I don't yet know what that looks like but my guess yeah. is that in a couple years there's um, you know there's some piece of land that's calling my name and I'm listening for it and trying to just attune to really the stories of farmers and land stewards and indigenous people and black farmers and really learning from the beauty of what can happen when you really start to have your compass be the earth um, instead of any of these material items um, that we're, you know, gleaming for in our, you know, careers and accomplishments. Um, So TBD what it will be, but a land steward of some sort is is, is my next step, I believe. I love that. And I'm going to ask a selfish question now. Um, <laughs> what advice do you have to give? Cause I know a lot of women that listen are like newer moms, you know, first time moms, mm. um, maybe have two kids. What, 
wisdom. You have three children you share so beautifully, you know, you have such a deep connection to them. I'm going to post some of the quotes from your um, writing because it's like the love that you have for them is so palatable in your words. Mm. Um, As you've gone from mom of one to mom of two, mom of three, (laughs) um, can you just share a little bit about what you wish you would have known, what you want us to know, what love can you give to us? <laughs> mm, yes, there's so much there. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, I think, and I know this. I know this is probably sounding like a broken record at some level to what women recommend to other women. Um, but that self care piece. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think it's so important. And so, whatever it means, let this be your call to listen to that need for self care and rally your partner around supporting you in that or your village who's helping you take care of your kid to let you have, even if it's just one ritual once a week that is aligned with that part of your soul that is just like amazed at something in the world, whether it's a yoga class or it's taking a walk or it's taking a a class or a course or getting coaching or, you know, whatever that learning how to plant, learning how to grow food, whatever that might be. Um, it's priceless. And I think if you can do that and give yourself permission to do that, um, and I think sometimes we as moms need another mom to tell us it's okay and it's okay to need that. And if you can build that practice in now, I think it will just serve every part of you, whether it's your um, professional life, whether it's your relationship, you come back refreshed, rejuvenated, whether it's with your kids. I just think that's really the most important thing that we can do for ourselves, um, you know, with motherhood. Um, and I think honestly, the, the act of not being with your kids actually creates a wave of appreciation for them that you never would see if you are with them 24 mm-hmm. seven. Um, and granted, some people don't have that opportunity given any array of circumstances that you might have. And so that might not necessarily be possible, but I think appreciating like the gaps of silence that you create for yourself, because when you open that door and they do run to your arms or they're running away, crying either way, you can't help but see them in a new perspective of just like the magnificence of growth and life and, um, just the uninhibited element of who they are as children without the imprint of the world yet on them, especially you see that, you know, in the young, young kiddos. And just, you remember that was also you, you are also in Mm -hmm. them and, you know, the generations beyond are also in them too. Um, And so every time I look at my little ones, I can't help but see the great, great, great grandmothers, you know, and the future of their potential kids, um, you know, and every animal that they might nurture or a community that they might rally around. Um, and I think the more you create those gaps that really align to you being in silence and you having that time for yourself, you generate this greater capacity to appreciate them instead of looking at them as a to-do list or mm-hmm. all of the things that they're, the messes that they're making that you're going to have to clean up. Um, it just becomes more of, God, this is just a magnificent experience we get to be a part of. Um And also reflecting, I like a lot of my reflections come from um, the gray, like not necessarily the color and the brightness and the rainbows, you know, it's like for rainbows to come, there always has to be the rain, you know, and Mm -hmm. talking about that rain and the gray is always okay. Um, 
And that also breeds appreciation. So those moments are there for, you know, us to pay attention to. Um, but I think, yeah, that's really helped me harness more of a gratitude approach versus, um, God, this is so much to do and, you know, I can't handle it. And the expectations are so high every day to do all of these things. Um, it's just that, that shift in perspective has changed a lot for me now that, you know, I have, have three kids. So (laughs) there's been a lot of lessons between the beginning and the end, but yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful and such a great way to end our conversation. Um, you know, when I said that, when I started the podcast, I said, you know, becoming and being a mom is radical. And one thing that was so important to me is like, I follow some of the accounts that like make fun of motherhood and yes, it's challenging and hard, but I also love sharing the perspective. It's really beautiful and it's a privilege. Like we are privileged to be a part of these lives. And I love how you linked, you know, like the ancestors to the what's to come next and all of the places in the world that our kids are going to touch. And that's also our present in every single moment. And we get to be a part of that. Like how amazing. And when we can take a step back and step out of the like, I mean, I cleaned up water off the floor every day this week so far, you know, and it's like, that's real life. Like that is real life. And it's like, it is real life that I was awake for two and a half hours in the middle of the night. Cause I'm pregnant right now. You know, it's like, I could settle on those things and focus on that. Or I could, you know, take a step back, take the time for myself and then show up with the appreciation that you spoke to. And that's really the conversation that I'm looking to cultivate on a podcast for moms. So thank you so much for saying all that. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's a joy to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm very inspired. I'm like, okay, I know it's fall gardening time, so I'm going to plant something. I'm going to look into the resources that you suggested and yeah, I'm very inspired. So thank you so much and can't wait to see those photos and I can't wait to see what you're up to in a couple of years when you're, you know, out there on the land connecting the old and the young. Yes. You'll have to come visit and the whole community will be invited. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends and You can help us grow by subscribing, rating, and reviewing a podcast for moms on your favorite podcasting platforms. I'd love to connect with you. Feel free to direct message me on Instagram at a podcast for moms or send me an email, a podcast for moms at gmail.com. I can't do this alone. Together though, we are a movement of moms revolutionizing the world through radical motherhood.